Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Jewelry isn't a gift you give just once. It's a way to remind your loved one of a beautiful moment every time they see it. Blue Nile can help you find the gift that says how you feel and says it beautifully with expert guidance and a wide assortment of jewelry of the highest quality at the best price. Go to BlueNile.com and experience the convenience of shopping Blue Nile, the original online jeweler since 1999. That's BlueNile.com to find the perfect jewelry gift for any occasion. BlueNile.com. Scoopy Radio. In your airways, on the plane, on the train. Everywhere you need to be, I am Brandon Scoopy Robinson. Make sure to follow me on Twitter at Scoopy, Instagram at Snapchat at Scoop underscore B. Make sure, most importantly, that you all are subscribing to the Scoopy Radio podcast, which is available on all platforms, iHeartRadio, Google Play, TuneIn app, Stitcher app, Apple Podcasts, or simply by visiting ScoopyRadio.com. Scoopy Radio has been mentioned anywhere from Fox News to Breitbart to Bleach Report to NBC Sports everywhere, and um, while we're sitting here trying to figure out the next moves, I figured I'd call in a, a very, very special guest, the most eligible NBA free agent on the market right now that will be signed once we resume play, it's none other than Jamal Crawford. Jamal, welcome to Scoopy Radio. My God, thanks for having me. I've always wanted to ask you this. Your first name is actually not Jamal, it's Aaron. <laughs> That's how you going to start the interview? Yes, I'm curious. Why not Aaron? Why Jamal? I just never said Aaron. Even though that's my first name, like my mom will call me Aaron Ball if she's trying to get a point across, or my wife if she's trying to get my attention. Other than that, like Jamal, it just never fit me. You know what I mean? So it's Aaron Jamal for sure, but I just never went by Aaron. Not a day in my life. So Jamal is, is what it is. Have teammates ever called you Aaron? Uh, DeAndre did sometimes. <laughs> yeah, of course, it would leave up to him to go figure it out and then use it to his advantage. But he would call it to me. Whenever somebody says it, I look up for sure. I'm like, you can't call it that. It's not to me, Aaron, I don't. So it definitely gets my attention. Well, you'll never hear me call you Aaron. Jamal, Jamal is your name as far as I'm concerned. Thank you. Right Thank you. Of course, of course. You, um, are like the last of the Mohicans. Um, You've seen uh, Joe Kim Noah be signed, Carmelo Anthony get signed. Um, you're kind of like a, a sitting duck, um, but that's not a bad thing. I think, you know, from interviews that I've seen you do, you were on Sports Center the other day, and you talked about the time that you've spent with your family. In this process of you figuring out the next moves, what have you learned about yourself? Scoop B Radio. I already knew I had patience, uh, but. 
I guess I've grown more in that area even more. You know, for me, everybody knows me, knows my whole life. Especially pooping, it revolves around that. Don't wear it. Even if I'm not pooping, people can see I'm pooping every day up where. That's, that's my piece. I mean, even my family, they know for two hours a day, that's why I'm, you know, away from everything. I'm, I'm just locked into the pooping, no matter where it's at. So, um, that part has never left, even though I'm not pooping in front of people right now. I'm still pooping everywhere, every random gym. I pop up and work on different things and do different things. But the family aspect of it, last year was the first year that uh, we were separate because we were in L.A. together the whole time. We were you know, in Minnesota together the whole time. Everywhere we've been, we've been together. So with me signing the day before the season, you know, life goes on. So, mm. you know, we had to get our kids registered for school, all those things. So when the call came, I didn't want to just, you know, take them out there, their, their habitat and getting comfortable and getting better with school and stuff. You know, I took myself. And it was a long season off of just that aspect. Like after practice, after working out, after that, you're in a apartment by yourself all day. Like, you know, so mm-hmm. people like that don't know is every week last year I flew home every off day. And I hate flying. Anybody knows you know, I hate flying. I flew <laughs> home every off day and I would come stay the whole day and fly back to sleep that night. That was one advantage you know, the so being a couple hours of the flight, so every off that came home. And uh, you know, that was one sacrifice that I had to make in going on last thing. So Jamal, you, you talked about the Phoenix Suns. Uh, I checked you out in Brooklyn. I think you guys were on a back-to-back. Uh, that was back in December when you guys played, and you got more point guard duties at that game. Um, when I looked at your uh, skill set on the floor with that young Phoenix Suns team, um, number one, I saw a mentor. Number two, I also saw a guy. Um, you reminded me a lot of Chicago days, your Chicago stint, where you played a lot more point guard. Uh, am I right in that assessment? What, what, what was going on last season? Uh, you're right. I actually played a lot of point guard. I actually played my role being kind of like a backup point guard. And, you know, for me, that's not what I, you know, envisioned kind of going in there. But that's okay. And that's, that's all right. It's just another challenge, right? Another way to help out. So I always say that your spirit is your focus and kind of the situation allows you to be. And, Last year, he wanted my uh, playmaking, even though I'm not a point guard by nature. You know, just uh, being in different situations, being in different situations, he felt comfortable with me kind of orchestrating and making plays. And for me, I'm like, okay, it's a different challenge. You're going to mentor a lot more. You're going to, you know, handle the ball a lot more, set people up a lot more. So with, with that, I was like, you know what, I'm not really focused on my own score. I'm trying to get the guys for And, you know, people say, oh, it's scoring with down. Do they look? I only say, I think six shots a game. Like, I wasn't even trying to score. I was trying to set people up in the midst of that, right? So, mm-hmm. with that, I, I averaged more assists, I think, I had the last six years. But I took great pride in that. Like, you know what? I'm not going to come here because that, like, you know what? I have your reputation for. I'm only scoring for this year, guys. So, yeah, me and my teammates, Bill Bridges, the Booker, the Beyonce, the any of those guys, about how I helped them, I think they would tell you, they weren't, like, all those guys. He didn't, like, on and off the floor, but especially like sacrifices their group the I thought you know in that regard I, I watched some of them grow and that was fun. Three time NBA six man of the year award recipient Jamal Crawford Scooby talking Radio. everything hoops Jamal um 
you talk to some people around the league, they discuss defense um, as, yeah. as, your, as something you're not playing. Um, you talk to some people around the league, they talk about your age. You talk around the league, some people just have something to say. I tweet out about you, the Lakers. I tweet about the Sixers. And in the comments, people always make comments about your age and defense. For those who right. make those statements, how do you how do you dissect that as a, as a, as a gamer such as yourself? Well, to be honest with you, defense isn't my strong suit. There's nothing to hide or lie about. I never claimed to be, you know, Tony Allen. I never did. But the thing, I guess, that gets my attention with it is they're acting like I'm the only person being scored on. They're acting like, you know, look now, like, scoring is, is, is geared. I mean, uh, the game is geared towards offensive players. That's why you can't touch. Like, that's why it's more on defense. And I see scores now. I haven't played this year. Like, I still see scores at 130, 135, 140. That's a, that's a lot of scoring, right? A lot of scoring going on. And in this day and age, I don't think you're really allowed to be a lockdown defender. Yeah, there's you know, maybe five to ten guys who can really strap up every single time. But good defense is going to be good offense. I mean, good offense is going to be good defense anyway. So it comes down to your scheme and how things are going. And the age thing, I can't really fight. I can't fault my age. But hey, you know, if think about it, since I've met you, we both uh, grown at the same pace, right? We both age at the same pace. Each day, we're getting a day older. I, mean, I can't fight that. I think mm-hmm. age is only really an issue when it shows up. If you can't say, oh, he's averaging eight points, and his age is a factor. No, my situation, my role wasn't four. But if you say, okay, four, that's the whole thing with the 50-point game. I, I understand this point game. I understand that. If you can't tell me somebody put 50 points on any team, can't average double figures about the 50-point game for those who are paying attention. Scoopy Radio talking to Jamal Crawford on April 9th, 2019 uh, in a 120-109 season finale uh, game against the Dallas Mavericks. You made NBA history by recording 51 points in your, and it's your fourth 50-point game to date. More specifically, at 39 years old and 20 days, you broke two NBA records. You were the oldest player to tally 50-plus points. That record was held by Michael Jordan at 38 years old in 315 days uh, on December 29, 2001. Uh, you were also uh, heralded as uh, you scored the most points scored by a player not in the starting lineup. Nick Anderson did that with 50 points on April 23, 1993. And during that game, you shot 18 of 30, which is 60% from the field. You were 7 of 13 which was 53.8% from the three-point line. And you were eight of nine from the free throw line. You also had five rebounds, five assists, one steal, and one block, all coming off the bench. I want to take it back for a second. That game, what did you have for breakfast that morning? Now, I'm going to be honest with you. Go back and look, right? So what I did know going into that game was, I think at that time, if I scored, I scored 25-plus straight games. Mm-hmm. But they said scored 25 or 10. to be the only player besides Kobe and I think Kareem to ever score 25 straight, in, uh, 25 in three straight games in their 19th season or later. 
Yeah, I'm like, okay. 20 plus point games in the 19th or the season. Yeah, there you go. Mm-hmm. 20 plus point. So I'm like, okay. Well, I'm, I'm already feeling like I'm playing now. Like, I'm just hooping now. Now I'm not really focused. I'm playing guard. I'm just playing. I'm just hooping. You know, we had injuries. We're just trying to scratch our wins. And that, by the way, that, that month, I, was my highest point month ever. I had 31 for the month, but we won half the game. That's saying a lot. We didn't win a lot of games. But anyway, I'm just scooping. So I'm feeling normal. I'm like, okay, I'm I'm grooving that. So I'm like, okay, if I get 20, I'm going to at least jump into Kobe and three. So you look for small wins and the season's kind of lost or whatever. Mm-hmm. So going into the fourth quarter, I believe I had 25. Mm-hmm. So I'm like, oh, okay, well, that, that's done. You know, we're losing. And I'm like, man, let's try to come back and win this game. Third tonight, obviously, it's a special, special night. It's like a movie. Way everything was done, the whole thing was electric, shoot around, right? Mm-hmm. So I'm like, man, you know, I got all the love in the world for Dirk. Let's try to get this win, right? So we're down 30 at one point, and I already got 20 plus or whatever. So I'm like, let's really go for it. And I just got high from 25 to 37. Go back and look. I think I scored 12 points first four minutes. And when I scored 37 with eight minutes to go, that was like the first time. That I was like, I think I can I think that's tonight, right? So I'm going, I'm going, still playing the game. We're coming back, we're coming back, we're coming back. And we get, I think, five, like four minutes left. At that point, I got like 32, 45. I knew it was a different point game then. And, you know, truth be told, that's the only time I've ever spoken to points to ball. Go back to looking for another three. So I was a little upset by that, but it was bigger than me and bigger than that. It was Dirk final. And it's very painful. If you ever interview him, he'll tell you pregame. I told him he was there with the uh, Nico for Nike and a couple other people. They were all there for dirt. And I said, I'm going to put on a show tonight. Watch. It's the way it was. I'm like, I'm going to put on a show tonight. And when I told him that, I didn't even know what be what it became. So I was already feeling good. I already felt like I was just looping. And I was like, I'm going to go out with a bang with you. You um, mentioned Kobe Bryant. I remember um, when he passed away, and I texted you, and you said, man, I'm not ready to talk about Kobe Bryant yet. Um, If I may, where were you when you found out about his passing? Um, So, a little backstory of that. So, I never said this. So, um, I was at my son's basketball. And my son, one of his teammates, has a, has a sister. And his sister and her father, who I talked to, was actually going to the Model Academy that week. Mm. And so he told me that on uh, a Thursday, like, hey, I'm going to coach this week. I'm going to be down there with my father. I'm like, oh, that's my guy. You know, tell him I said, what's up? Like, cool. So that's Thursday. If I could step back to up that weekend, that's the tournament. Sunday comes, and he's there with his daughter in California, and his wife runs up to me, she's like, here, take this phone call. And we were in the gym at my son's turn, and his son's turn. And she's like, take this phone call. And I'm like, all right. So I take the phone, walking out. And at that moment, the first thing I think is, oh, I keep bumping the Kobe. Kobe's on the phone with me, you know, say, what's up? So she's like, take this call. I walk out the hallway. And he told what happened. And this is before it hit. The wire. He was actually on site. 
So when he happened, it was like it was like I got hit by heart. I couldn't believe. And he let know me as well. Knows I'm not a really emotional person. Like when I split basket, whether something really bad happens, like I'm not really emotional. So hmm. when I and my wife, and she told my wife, she's like, "Hey, go check on him." Like down the hallway. And my wife came up, like, "What's going on?" I told her, and her mouth stopped. My heart just sunk, and then I gave. I walked back in again. I'm bawling. Like people looking, I'm bawling. Like I can't even control it. This in the gym, even my son, his teammates are looking like, "Dad, what's going on?" Falling hard, so I'm trying to hide it. And then it's just, you know, certain moments I think about it again, it just come out. This was that Sunday. So, yeah, I was at my son's basketball game. I've really taken a step back and just, you know, I, 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 you're more at liberty to speak about this because you played against Michael, you played against Kobe. This is not an either or question, but honestly, in talking to different players, a lot of people have said to me that they feel like, Kobe was like the Michael repl- replacement in the sense of like that 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 feeling you got when you watched Michael when Michael was no longer playing. You played against both. Um, you knew yeah. both. I guess my question for you is like, do you see it that way? Like, where does Kobe fit in the lexicon of basketball when you're talking about the greats? So go back and look this up, Scoop. This is no lie. This is 2012. 12 or 13, and Kobe came to my program. Mm-hmm. And when I introduced him, this is, now go back to 2013, when I introduced him to come out you know, to the crowd, I said, this generation is Michael Jordan. You can go look it up. You can go anything. I said, this, is, this generation is Michael Jordan. And at the time, people were like, where's Jamal? Is this like, you know, big publication like this? Jamal, do you guys agree with this? Like, you know, it's crazy or what? So I've always viewed him as this generation's Michael Jordan. I feel like there's only one Michael, but I feel like there's only one Kobe. You know, Michael to me is the best player ever. But Kobe is the most thing I've ever seen for him. And I think mm-hmm. for people that are younger than me who grew up watching Kobe, I understand when they say Kobe's their favorite player ever. I get it. Because they didn't they weren't, you know, old enough to be Michael and it's what they're saying. So I get it. And, you know, he he, he was just out of this world like he was just—he was out of this world competitive. He was out of this world skill-wise. He was brilliant. Like he was everything. He was everything, and he had such a giving heart. You know, and like it wasn't to the, the point where me and him talked every single day or anything like that. Mm-hmm. But it was always—we did text, and it was always respectful and always like the But I'm just glad, you know, out of one positive, he saw his heart. Like after all, he saw how giving was. That was always him. Like, when he came to my program, I asked him last minute, right? And and people were trying to shoot him off, rush him off. He was like, no, I'm going to watch football play. He pushed back his plane. He brought his family with him. Like, he mm-hmm. brought all of them with him. His wife, daughter, wife, like, no, I'm going to watch. He had every reason or to use any excuse to leave to get out of town and not to watch his wife. But he came. And, and that's, that's like some of the things that people don't see that he does forgive the people. You know, his inspiration will last uh, forever. Like, literally past lifetime, the last time. Do you, are you still a gamer? Yeah, absolutely. One million percent. I had Shaq on the Scooby Radio podcast recently, and um, I asked him this question, and I'll pose it to you. Uh, for NBA 2K21, do you think, A, there should be a cover 
B, do you think there should be a Mamba's moment in the game? Oh, without a doubt. And, and like when I listen to Shaq's podcast, you might want to keep that, that one <laughs> under wraps until you get it all dialed in. But no, nah, absolutely. And I think people would be so excited about it, for sure. Yeah, I think you're right. I think um, I think when you take a look at NBA locker rooms, um, you know, I, I have the pleasure of being around during the Jordan era, as young as I am, but also being around during the Kobe era. And I remember seeing Jordan sneakers in people's lockers and then now in the same vein seeing um, Kobe sneakers. I, you look at Tobias Harris's locker out in Philly and it's filled with nothing but Kobe sneakers. Um, do you think Michael was, was, was ahead of his time? Do you think he set the standard uh, for, for, for sneakers? And who do you think takes the baton after LeBron? Mm, good question. Because it kind of went that way, right? It went kind of like Jordan, uh, Iverson, Kobe, LeBron, KD, Kyrie. I think Kyrie's really tapped in. I think Kyrie and Steph tapped in, along with KD. So I, I think those three are kind of tapped into the kids' market. The kids mm-hmm. love their kids. LeBron's like, I see when I'm in gym, I'm in gym a lot with, with kids, right? And I see the, the four shoes I see the most are LeBron, KD, Kyrie, and Steph. So I think mm-hmm. most four that I can, you know, just notice right off the top. And I'll see other shoes sprinkled in there, but consistently, I think those four pairs are, are consistently seen throughout them, especially in every different Jamal Crawford on the line with Scoopy Radio talking everything basketball. Um, for you, um, there have been rumors about teams um, throughout the course of the season. I have heard the Toronto Raptors. I have heard the Milwaukee Bucks. Um, any team um, that is looking to get you um, where do you think you feel – what role do you think you, you would likely fill or what, what would you like to tell GMs, presidents, and, and colleagues um, about yourself uh, to reassure them that you still are that dude? Well, for me, I don't really want to make the case, to be honest with you. Like, I think just, just go through my history, right, I'm on the court, off the court, Whatever you're looking for, just go through it and see how it fits. Like, all those teams you said are great teams and teams that have a chance to do something special. But, I mean, even if they did have interest, they may all be, you know, using me differently. One may say, hey, we don't need you to play unless it's the bench. One may say, hey, we want you to come in and get buckets off the bench. One may say, hey, you know, a younger team may say, hey, we want you to be a mentor for this young, you know, combo guard or guard coming up. You know, so that all depends, I guess, that will advance if those conversations ever happen. But if they didn't happen, um, to be honest with you, I'm kind of at peace with that too. Like, you know, it's just, you know, as much as I love to play and, and I will play regardless if I'm playing in there or not, kind of don't want to, you know, be anywhere you're not wanted. Like, if they don't want me right now or don't have an interest right now, that's okay. I mean, that doesn't devalue my worth because they don't have an interest. You know, everything's not for everybody. Mm-hmm. And so for me, like I said last night on SportsCenter, like it's a win-win, you know, wherever. If I if I go play, and then they're great, and I can see my career. And if not, like I'm with my family, and, and now I start the next chapter. So I, I can't really lose. I think they're both great options to have. 
you mentioned Kyrie Irving uh, a question ago. Um, he's out. He's had issues with his shoulder, and he's getting acclimated uh, to playing for the Brooklyn Nets along with Kevin Durant, who's been out. Um, when you look at the potential of um, what these guys can do uh, together uh, next season, do you think that there's going to be an adjusted period in year two of them being there, but in year one of them being on the court? Do you think there's going to be an adjustment period in Brooklyn? Absolutely. Without a doubt. They'll have moments where, you know, they figure it out and they're kind of, you know, uh, working their way through. Those moments may come even more in the poster game, right? Because they're both used to having the ball and, and making plays and making decisions and, and, you know, certain way they may go about things in the poster game. So it may be, uh, more present there, but I'm sure they'll happen over the course of the season. But knowing both of them and, and being tight with both of them, I think their friendship will supersede everything because they'll know when they're talking to each other. You know, it, it was coming from a good place. They're both champions. Uh, they both know what it takes. And they both knew that this could happen when they talked about teaming up. Now, they're going to be uncomfortable. But once we get through that and get past that, man, we can do anything. You know, and you've seen it happen from D-Way and LeBron to, you know, Russell James or, you know, you put two great players together, you know, you're going to have to work through some things, especially if they didn't come in the same draft together and all that stuff. But, you know, I have no doubt they'll get through whatever it is that they will go through. What do you think of Derrick Rose in Detroit this year? I love watching him. I love watching him. Um, he's, he's someone who was written off. He's someone who was, I think people didn't, Give him the proper respect on his name. So, you know, different places and different situations. This guy is just absolutely monster. He's a Hall of Famer. I mean, he's just unbelievably fun to watch. He's, and he's such a genuine person. So I always root I always, always, always root So, and I'm, I'm like his biggest fan, to be honest. Like, I love watching him. I love the person. And it just solidified what he already knew. Think about that. Like, he knew that he was 50 rows all along. Mm-hmm. Whether he was in Cleveland, whether he was in, you know, Minnesota, whatever, you know, getting away from Utah, people don't know that. Like, but he knew he was this same guy all along, and he just had to be other critics and do whatever and, and find his zen and his peace to get back to the place. He's like, okay, when I get my chance, I'll show you. And he's done that. Like, him be happy. Carmelo Anthony told me that throughout his whole process of uh, him figuring out his next move, uh, he spoke to you. You guys spoke about just next moves. Um, and he spoke highly of you, you know, on record about just why he feels as though you should be playing. And I guess my question for you is, what have you seen from Melo in Portland that has shut all non-believers down? Oh, him just having that pop, him being a, a big shot taker, a big shot maker, him bringing that, that, that present. And people don't understand that part of it. Even if he's not scoring, that particular possession or that particular game, whatever it might be, that particular quarter, the defense is so aware of him. And, and with that, it allows the team, you know, to basically play four and four and have more space because, you know, you have to know where Melo is. And I can be happier for him. Like, <laughs> even with my process, right, he, he said it in, in one of his interviews, it's hard getting up every day, working out, not necessarily knowing if you're going to get a chance to go back out there. You know, so, you know, with that, even some mornings or some days, I'm like, man, you know, I love the game, but why am I doing this extra, extra work right now? If there's nothing really on the on the other side of it. And when I was starting to lose faith, he kind of restored it, being him strong. You know, he's been out, he's out the league for 15 months. 
And I had no doubt he would have the success. It was just about him getting a chance. And he got a chance. He got a team that was played his style of play. You know, because you can look as good or as bad depending on the fifth year. You know, Melo's not just a three-point shooting guy. A guy who's going to get the every single time. You know, he plays mid-range and sets up everything else for him. And that's the foundation of who the game is. And Portland plays that way. So it was a perfect marriage. And they needed him. He needed them. And it's been great. Jamal, you talked about your workout process, and we didn't talk about that at all. Um, for those who are listening, we're on the line with Scoop Jamal Crawford, multiple uh, NBA Six Man of the Year, uh, the 2018 NBA Teammate of the Year, and um, the eighth pick in the 2000 NBA Draft out of Michigan. I'm curious to know what your daily schedule is like as you're waiting for that call? Well, for me, uh, it's changed a little bit just because now with the kids being home and this pandemic going on, you know, my schedule kind of depends on them. So uh, now it is different. And you know, school starts for them online, of course, at 9 in the morning goes to 3. In between that, uh, my two younger ones take a nap at about 1.30. So that's why I'm able to, to get my work in about 1.30 to about 2.30. Then they come in and finish up their last part so I can get an hour there. And then when they finish, I can get back to I actually have a gym in my house. Mm-hmm. I'm able to kind of, kind of basketball for example, like a full weight room. I'm able to get boxing in there. Uh, I have a pool here, so I'm able to get pool work in. Uh, I do a lot of uh, yoga-based things, uh, do my weight stuff. And I have an actual hoop outside where right now I'm taking advantage of can't go anywhere. But before that, you know, it was easy. I would drop them off to school, you know, at 8.30, get right to the gym, work out there from about 10 to 1, shower, get everything uh, back, go pick them back up from school at 3, 3.15, uh, come back and relax with them. So, and then at night, I usually do both days again. Something different from not getting 10 to 1, whether it be shots, whether it be stretching, whether it be uh, different things. So, yeah, I'm, I'm still at it. Still in great shape, in basketball shape. You know, I play all the time. That's never changed. I play every day. Uh, you would, like I said yesterday, you would be shocked to see me dunk a couple of times. You wouldn't even believe it. But uh, yeah, I, I can still do that. My legs feel good. I feel good. Yeah, staying at it. The Los Angeles Lakers, as Anthony Davis told me, that you are an instant scorer. Um, what do you make of the Lakers this season? What do you make of Davis and LeBron? Oh, they've been terrific. They've been unbelievable. Uh, those two, you know, they, they have such respect for each other, and you can tell. And LeBron, kudos to him. He's kind of said, hey, you're going to be our leading scorer. You're going to be our go-to guy. I'll take over when need be. And that, that's a certain maturity level there. And him knowing, you know, I want to be fresh later, and him knowing exactly what it takes. So, you know, those two have been unbelievable. I think the team has been unbelievable. I think the piece fit really well. You know, they have shooters. They have defenders. They have their two both guys. So, and I think uh, Coach Bogle and his staff have been out. So they've been terrific. I'm sure for them, uh, whenever they get back, they'll try to you know, come with that same momentum they had when, when the break happened. Davis tells me that he and LeBron have this running joke uh, where basically LeBron said this was like starting in the season. You know, LeBron was taping Space Jam, and he and Davis didn't get a ton of time to work out. But their running joke is LeBron says that. They're not quite a peanut butter and jelly sandwich. They're more like peanut butter and banana. 
Yeah. Well, I heard I heard that on one interview. I've never had peanut butter and bananas personally, but I'm, I'm, I'm I guess you know that he's saying there's a lot of room for growth. Sure. Uh, I'm still like this. Here's my the million dollar question: Is LeBron James this season's MVP? If he won, I'm sorry, the last part. Is LeBron James the 2019 to up to this point the 2019-2020 NBA MVP? Uh, I think he's right there. I'm not sure because Giannis, I think they still have the best record. Mm-hmm. His numbers are off the chart as well. Uh, but for LeBron is doing the stage of his career, it's, just, it's, it's unbelievable. Uh, the league in the fifth, still 425 tonight, to have the, the best record in the West. Uh, you know, he's not one. One A, one B, he's right there. Philadelphia 76ers has had issues with injuries throughout the course of the season. Joel Embiid, uh, Ben Simmons, and more. Have you gotten, uh, obviously you being friends and former teammates with Al Horford, uh, knowing Matisse Steibel, um, and, and, and being teammates uh, with general manager Elton Brent, have you gotten a chance to actually sit down uh, and watch any Philadelphia 76ers basketball games this season? Uh, I watched a couple of them. Early on, especially, but I'm not gonna lie to you. After what happened with Kobe, I just, I had, I still to this day have not watched a full game. Like, like I watched bits and pieces, but it was like the part that, that was a weird deal, man. It's like a part of me just left in some way. Like, I don't know. I haven't watched the whole game since then, since January 26. But I watched bits and pieces of a lot of games. Yeah, I've seen them early on, and you know, for a while, and I think even now, even. You know, they're struggling on the road. I think they need to not figure out that road thing. Uh, but they play well at home at first. And then I think, still think they're, you know, a little inconsistent. Right now, if you ask me, I think uh, Toronto, Milwaukee, they've been Boston, in spite of them, just because they're so inconsistent on the road. They obviously got to get healthy. And then that's that major part for sure. How old were you the first time you met Michael Jordan? The first time I met him, I was 20. I was 20. But my dad had actually told me, going through the draft process, that he liked my game. And I'm like, Dad, come on. Like, this for social media. How would you even know that the greatest player ever likes my game? And he never told me how, but he just said, I'm telling you, he likes your game. So fast forward, I get drafted by the Bulls. I get a chance to beat him. And he told me, like, man, I liked your game. I'm like, what? So after I leave, talking to him for the first time, I call back home, uh, talk to my dad and everything. My dad still didn't tell me how he, he knew. <laughs> right? So then it comes full circle. What happened was Ahmad Rashad went to school with my dad at the same time as the University of Oregon. So they were tight. Michael Jordan and Ahmad Rashad are best friends. They're both it, right? So that's how my dad did. Ahmad Rashad had told him that. And that's why my dad was so sure that Jordan liked my game. Exactly. I was three years old when I first met him. So you met him at 20. What was that experience uh-huh. like? Oh, it was crazy. Tim Grover actually called me. And he said, hey, in this case, you can meet him. Like, he come in the morning. I'm like, okay. I can't believe this. So I'm driving downtown. My uh, Evanston, Evanston apartment at the time in Illinois. And then uh, we get in the weight room. It's myself, MJ, and... And Grover, and I'll never forget he was doing like a defensive slide on this machine. 
right? It's like the, the one you just fly back and forth. And we're talking about three, like, yeah, this summer, you know, have worked out with me, you know, I'm tired of this crazy. So fast forward to the summer, we work out together, we play on the same team, pick up every day. We never lost. And when I say never lost, I don't mean like that day. We never lost a game within that day. Like we never lost for a whole summer. So it got to a point where he wouldn't play. So I got there because I had to work out with the Bulls first and a young kid. And then I could go down there and play. All right, get my work in with him. So we never lost uh, our relationship with golf. I could go to his house. Uh, he picked me to be in the commercial to play him in the young, as the young kid. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And then he always looked out for me. Always. And I got a chance to see him a couple years ago. I took my son to his camp. And he told my son, he's like, I used to take care of your dad. I looked after your dad. And I got some on state talks and stuff. It was just great to catch up again and be around in that way for those you know, three or four days I was around. Jamal, I got to ask this question because I think you were there. So with coronavirus, you have a chance to kind of, and being home, you kind of get a chance to sit down and watch um, a lot of documentaries. So I watched a documentary where um, supposedly a former player on the Bulls said that he could beat Michael Jordan. Michael Jordan comes to the Birdo Center. That's where the Bulls used to practice. And he destroys said player in the practice center. Were you there? I was not there, but I came the next year. And then they told me all about it, and I saw the footage after that. The player was Corey Benjamin. Right. And they were teasing him that day. I, was, I, would, I actually was there. Mm-hmm. About how MJ came to practice. Corey was saying to beat him. And it just was, it was just a show. And look at the video. It's exactly what it was. It was a show. You watch all the Golden Brand. You watch Percy Hawkins. Watch Ron Artest, all the players around watching this. Mm-hmm. And that actually uh, was amazing to see the actual footage. I heard about that footage. Is Michael's level of petty exaggerated? <laughs> as far as what? Like, a lot of people say that they could beat Michael, or a lot of people put, like, they think that Michael is just like this boogeyman. Like he just comes and he and he beats people. Like I saw OJ Mayo when he was in high school. He said he could destroy Michael, and then Michael destroyed him at his camp. Why is he beating all these and, and on the basketball court? Of course, beating all these little kids. Is is it, is it really petty or is it proving a point? No, it's that it's, he's that competitive. That's okay. the whole thing. Like he's that competitive. He won't ever turn down any challenge. Period. It could be anything. Like, he won't turn down a challenge. It could be a half-court shot. It could be a left-hand three-pointer. It can be anything. It can be, like, literally anything. We can, we'll bowl the ball down and see if we get close to the wall without touching it. It, it could be anything. Like, mm-hmm. that's him. But he's back. He has a, a level of competitiveness I've never seen. And I personally think that's why I think Kobe it off and was so close because he saw a lot of himself in Kobe. Hmm. Yeah, and I think that's why. Like, he saw the competitor, he saw the drive, he saw how much Kobe cared about the game. Like, he always wants to become greater and greater and ask questions with curious. You know? Like, I think that's where part of the admiration comes from. Jordan. Did you ever get a chance to play against him one-on-one? MJ? Yes. Yeah, in the commercial. Other than that, 
No, that was it. One on one, we were always on the same team. Even when I went to his house, we were on the same team. Like he just stick me on the team all the time. It got to a point where if I wasn't there and they were going to start playing, he would just wait and like, oh, I'm waiting for JC to come. He would wait, play together, never lost. So no, that one on one the commercial, like, we were really like playing and talking and everything. Like we were really talking trash. Does Michael Jordan's house smell like juices and berries? <laughs> <laughs> is this what you heard? <laughs> no, I haven't heard nothing. I mean, how many oh, okay, people okay. casually? How many people just got to say, "Oh yeah, I was at Michael's house." I know, I know a lot of people. I ain't never been to Michael Jordan's house. I'm literally yeah. curious. Like, like, but you know what? Like? Honestly, it was it was so it was so like big, and I'm sure certain areas feel different than other areas. I mean, right. you know. Yeah, like, uh, I don't remember juices and berries, but it was clean. It was solid. And I remember just different things he was showing me from the trophy room to, you know, obviously we're in the gym and the garage, just different areas. Different areas of the house. It's amazing. We walked to the kitchen. That smells amazing, of course. But yeah, it was just, <laughs> it was an experience I, I sometimes still feel so good. Are you excited for the Michael Jordan, or excuse me, the Chicago Bulls documentary? Oh, man, are you serious? I can't wait. I wanted that last year. <laughs> I wanted that last year. But no, I can't wait. That's just, that's going to be a whole other level. And what's amazing about it is, if you think about it, they're only filming one season. It was only the last season, right? Mm-hmm, 98. There were so many other stories, right? There were so many other stories. Before that, so I'm glad that we could chance to speak on Curtis Aggie. Yeah, your teammate, Chris Paul, your former Clippers teammate, Chris Paul, is living his best life uh, with the Oklahoma City Thunder. Did this surprise you? No. No. It surprised people who, who may not know Chris or who want to say the age thing and all that. That's what I'm saying. Like, it's just his peers know. Like, Chris is one of the best point guards to ever play basketball. If he never played another game, right? To be what he is now, and I told him this, I'm like, this is one of your biggest feats. That team was not supposed to be where they are. Mm-hmm. Right? They were supposed to be rebuilding. Oh, we traded away, you know, our two best players. This is a, you know, we're going young, all that. But if you're around Chris, he's going to always try to get the best, the best of the team. And so it doesn't shock me that they're in this position. It doesn't shock me playing the book. He's just that's another guy, right? He's, I'm not saying he can't shoot three, but his strength is making stuff happen, you know, for himself but he made his back back to the game so okay. So yeah, he may look not the same in a certain situation, but now he's back to his movement and now you're seeing drifted things to both career. Vince Carter. He retires at season's end. Uh we don't know what the season is going to look like when we figure everything out. Scoopy Scoop Radio on the line with Jamal Crawford. Where do you fit Vince Carter? I think many times, and particularly in the 90s, we, we were just spoiled in the 90s and the 2000s with the Iversons, the, the Kobe's, the Shaq's, the Duncan's, the, even the Carmelones. And Michael was, you know, in and out from 84 to 2003. Where does Vince Carter fit in all of this? Hall of Famer. Uh, at one time, Vince was one of the most popular players in the world. Like in the world. Hall of Famer. Uh, you know, when you mention, I think Kobe is kind of by himself, to be honest with you, in that air. And Iverson's kind of off the side by himself. But I think Vince, T-Max, and all those great players, Paul Pierce, those guys kind of 
know, propelled the early 2000s. You know, when MJ retired, these guys were the guys, they were the pillars. You know, the Garnets, the, the Duncan, like, all those guys were the ones, the pillars that kind of helped move the league forward. Shaq, for it. I never forget that. You know, like, these guys kind of moved the league forward. In, in, a, in a situation where, obviously, Joe was done for the last time, he's had the league basically for almost 20 years in and out. Like, where do we go from here? And all these guys I just named, I'm sure I'm getting a couple of them. These guys sure. kind of moved the first league forward. You know Zach Levine very well. Um, yeah. I remember I posted something on Twitter. I mean, someone tweeted, people, you know people say crazy stuff, but somebody said Zach Levine is the next Kobe. And I, I don't, I, I don't think you can make comparisons to people this early. It's still very fresh. But when you look at Zach Levine and his situation in Chicago, his situation in Chicago, what do you see? Do you like his game this season? Well, I mean, I don't think anybody can hope. You know, right. it's just it's, it's, there's so much more than basketball that goes into it. He was so obsessed in so many different ways since he was young, right? right? And that's just not fair to put on anybody. But for Zach specifically, I was happy to see Zach success. You know, the only thing is, obviously, if they're a little bit better as a team, then more people know about him. Then he makes all-star. So all, he can do the same thing, or maybe even a little bit less, if, you know, more help comes around and they end up you know, into the playoffs. Zach's future is bright. Nobody's going to outwork him. He's such a good kid. Or, I mean, I know him since he's a good kid. such a good young man. Yeah. You look for guys like that. And he actually just partnered with me when we were helping our community uh, with the pandemic. Just, uh, put money in the community. Get it to the right people and help them. Yeah. So he's such a good guy on and off the court. And he's a star. No doubt about it. It's just people won't see how bright a star is until they become a better team. Markel Fultz rose from the ashes and he's doing his thing in Orlando. <laughs> what yep. do you make of his season? That's another one I'm proud of. That's another one. He just, uh, yeah, and you know, being on the East and being there, people were off of him, right? Oh, he'll never be the same, worst kick ever, and this is the third. But all of us who know Martel and his family, his support system, do not just be in the right place. Now he has, it. you know, he's showing people glimpses of what he can be. He's special to me. His talent doesn't come around often. He understands the game, and and he has. That mental fortitude to be able to go through stuff, be able to be, you know, past the bus, quote unquote, and still look what he's doing. So now he can just really have fun and concentrate on his game. He's healthy. Uh, the guys are limited for him. Carl Anthony Towns, your former Minnesota Timberwolves teammate, um, is a stat stuffer. Uh, but, you know, he, the Timberwolves brought in uh, D'Angelo Russell. Uh, what do you make? of that tandem together and do you do you see them surprising a lot of people? I do, but first off, it's uh, you know, I wanna give my love and support to Cat, his family, what they're going through. You know, I know his mom and dad. They're such a tight knit family. I hope everything works out and they can do this. Uh, you know, I know how tight they are. Uh but no, I think the the two you asked me about D'Angelo and him will be fine. Uh the West obviously is tough but those two having that relationship. They're always kind of wanting, I don't know if it was last summer or the summer before, but those two in the book at some point talked about playing together. You know? So now they're actually playing together. I think you know, going into next season, it'll be great because it won't be like a trade in those seasons. They'll be training together and know exactly what to expect. And, you know, hopefully be able to make some noise in Minnesota. 
Jamal, I'm gonna let you go in a minute, but before I let you go, you know you you you've been slacking on Twitter a little bit. No, my best friend just told me that yesterday too. What are we talking about? No, I don't. You haven't tweeted another day, another opportunity in a while. I have not. I have not. I'm not gonna lie to you. This, this pandemic has kind of threw me for a loop, man. It really has. Like, you know, I, I, it's 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 tough. I, obviously, another day is another opportunity. And I have to get back to it. It's kind of me for a loop. And I've kind of just really been, most of my, not most of my tweets, but a lot of my tweets have been about that, trying to get information about social distance and things of that nature. Just highlight yeah. the older players. But yeah, I got to get back on it. Like, yeah, as they say in Philly, you drawing. You got to get back on that. I got to get back on it. I got to get back on it. <laughs> no doubt about it. <laughs> Mr. Crawford, you are off the high seat, sir. I appreciate it. Thanks, Scoop B Radio. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello? Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Hey, folks, I'm Mark Marin from the WTF Podcast, and this episode is brought to you by Kleenex Ultra Soft Tissues your ally to help tackle your allergy symptoms this season. I love the change of seasons, but nobody loves pollen and all those other things floating in the air that make you sneeze during this nice weather. Kleenex Ultra Soft Tissues are hypoallergenic and allergist approved. So fight back against watery eyes and runny noses without worrying about irritating your skin. For this allergy season, grab Kleenex and face allergies head on. 